Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. Well, good morning. That's good. I think I'm, uh, yeah, I am. I think I'm live. A little bit of fuzz in the background, though. Let me just try. I'm going to try to unplug it and plug it back in again, see if we can get that to work. Still fuzzy, hey? Well, I'll talk loudly, and you guys can listen carefully, and don't worry about the fuzz. That'll just be great. Awesome. Another, just uh, just a, one thing to keep you up to date on. I'm going to have more time next week to talk about uh, what I'm doing, but I'm going, I've been invited by the district office to go on a 10-day trip to Thailand uh, to visit some of our uh, international workers. So I'm leaving on September 20th and coming back on September 30th. So that's in just a, a couple weeks from now. So if you can be remembering to pray for me as I go, uh, I'm joining Jaron uh, from, uh, from our district office and another pastor, Daniel King. And we're going to be going, uh, uh, there's a missions conference happening um, for some of those days. And on either side of those days, we are visiting a, a bunch of international workers. So it's going to be very exciting. So I'll talk to you about that more next week. If you want to be involved financially, we are looking at raising a little bit of funds um, for me to go. Now, the district is paying for the bulk of that. Uh, our portion to t- come up with is $1,500, which is a very small portion of it. Uh, we've got about $500 of that has been given already. So if you want to join in with that, uh, you can throw an offering in the box and uh, just call it uh, Greg's Mission Trip. That'll be great. I'm not going to be able to use that because I use my hands too much. Oh, you're going to do it with new batteries. Okay. This, uh, this is totally limiting to me now. I, if I start to make hand motions, it's gonna be, we're going to be in trouble. So I'll do what I can, and uh, hopefully we'll get some new batteries and get rid of that uh, little buzz. Well, today's a good day. It's a really good day. And you guys know why it's a good day. Can you, can you call it out to me? Why is it a good day? Because he lives. Because, he lives. because we have a good God. Right? Because we have a good God. So no matter what happens in our day, no matter what the circumstances, we still have a very good God. We're going to be talking about our good God today, so we're pretty excited about that. So we're going to see if we can switch back over here uh, before my hands really get going. Here we go. I, I, oh, it's still there. That's okay. We're just going to go ahead. It'll be just fine. It'll be just fine. Well, I, I, one of the things that, uh, that I have noticed about this area, moved, Farrell and I moved up here uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, when we moved up here, I had been around, so I, I came from a town in California called Vacaville, which if you know anything about a Spanish, that means cow town, uh, and we did have cows there, although there were just like a couple and it was kind of like neat to see them every once in a while. Actually, the church I, I went to when I was uh, 16 years old uh, was right past a cow pasture. And so we always drove by this massive bull all the time. But they, they had like three cows. So not really a big deal. Uh, so, but moving up here, like there are cows everywhere. Some of you might own cows. Likely you live near cows. And during weaning season, uh, you guys might notice a lot of noise. 
just an incredible amount of noise as the, the cows and the calves get separated from each other and the calves moo all day long and the, the mama cows moo all day long trying to get, find their little calves. There's a moo-moo here and a moo-moo there. Everywhere there's a moo-moo and it's an incredibly noisy, noisy place. It's amazing though, even though while I'm listening to this, this crazy amount of noise, I can't pick out which cow is which. I can't pick out which calf is which. I don't know which belongs to who or anything like that, but they know. They know. It's amazing how that mama cow and that calf can be calling for each other, and even though there's maybe even hundreds of other noises around, they know how to find each other. Isn't that amazing? Just amazing. This ability to hear the specific tone of each, other, each other's calls is amazing, but it doesn't stop just with cattle. In fact, as a parent, as a parent, you become accustomed to your own child's cry. I know when, when other kids are crying, it doesn't bother me at all. I just tune, tune it out. Like, it just, I don't even hear it. But when my own kid cries, one time, um, and, and I know this was, you know, there weren't any other kids around, but I was in my house, and Farrell and I, when, when Gavin was very little, Farrell and I were sitting in the, in the living room, and uh, Gavin was doing something we didn't know. He was quite young. I think he was like 18 months old or two years old, something very young. And uh, he was doing something. All of a sudden, I heard his cry. And he had been making lots of noise, and I wasn't moving at all. But all of a sudden, he, came, made, uh, he let out this cry, and immediately I was on my feet moving before I even knew what to do. He, he had kind of gotten himself hurt a little bit, but I was by his side before my brain was even able to say, you should get up and get moving. I was there. I was so attuned to my child's cry. Uh, this voice recognition actually even crosses the human-animal barrier. Think of dogs and how they know their owner's voice. Uh, lately, I've been, uh, uh, my son Gavin is down in Edmonton, and I've been uh, FaceTiming him on my phone. And my dog will hear Gavin's voice and start quickly looking around for him, trying to find where he's at. This, this amazing connection that we have with animals is, is amazing. The special human-to-animal connection is an illustration that God uses many times in the Bible. And oftentimes, it's this connection between a shepherd and his sheep. And we really don't have this kind of understanding up here because usually the flocks that we deal with are, are hundreds and thousands of sheep. But in the Middle East, the, the, the shepherd-sheep connection was incredibly close because a, a shepherd would usually have a small flock. And in his small flock, uh, he would know the sheep by name. He'd call them out. They would, they would hear his voice and they'd follow him. In fact, many shepherds would usually get together and they would put all their sheep together in a, in a field or they'd pen them together for the night. And in the morning, one shepherd, one shepherd would get up at a time and they'd call out their sheep by name and all their sheep from all the group would come out to him and he'd walk off with his sheep. And the other shepherd would get up. And he'd call out his sheep by name, and they'd all come and follow him and walk out with him. It's an amazing thing what happens between shepherd and sheep. The passage we're looking at today is all about Jesus, the good shepherd. And it's found in John chapter 10. If you've got your Bibles with you or you've got your cell phones, you can turn to John chapter 10. I'm going to be reading through that in just a few minutes. But before we read the passage, it's going to be up on the screen too, so you don't have to, to look it up yourself. It'll be up here too. But before we get to that passage, I want to let you know where the passage sits in Scripture. Remember that chapter breaks are not your friend. You need to read outside of the chapter because when the Bible was written, there were no chapter breaks. So what happens leading up to John chapter 10? 
Well, for several chapters, the religious elite led by the Pharisees have been testing and questioning Jesus. Now, you may remember that back in John chapter 4, Jesus visits a Samaritan woman. It's this famous Samaritan woman by the well. And he tells her for the very first time in, in, in all of the book of John, the very first person that Jesus says this to is this Samaritan woman. He tells her that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the one who has come to save Israel and the world. But the religious leaders, as they've been following Jesus around, were having big trouble with Jesus because he did not fit within their picture of the Messiah. Jesus did crazy things. He did what was unlawful, according to the Pharisees at least. He healed on the Sabbath. He spoke to Samaritans. He hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus focused on love and humility instead of coming against the Roman oppressors with war and power. Jesus did not fit into the box that the Pharisees had, had built around God and, and around the Messiah. But the Pharisees kept showing up. Give them credit, they kept showing up and they kept testing and questioning Jesus. And I think that at least for some of them, they secretly hoped that Jesus would do something that would convince them that he was the Messiah. I think they really wanted Jesus to be the Messiah. But sadly, what kept on happening is these Pharisees kept getting angrier and angrier at what Jesus did. Finally, in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a blind man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees find this out, and they are, they are incensed. They are, they are enraged, and they harshly interrogate the blind man, and because the blind man says to them, it, he must be from God, because who else could heal except for God? He must be from God. When they hear this, they throw the blind man out of the assembly, angrily toss him out onto the street. And here's what happens at the end of John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, for those of us that don't understand this, this doesn't really make any sense. But here Jesus is saying that the Son, the son of Man, that that term is a term that was applied to the Messiah. And so in the Old Testament, it talks about, especially in the book of Daniel, it talks about the Son of Man, and, it's, and Daniel is looking forward to the coming of the Messiah, and he calls him the Son of Man. And so this terminology that, that Jesus says, do you believe, so what does he say here? Do you believe in the Son of Man? He is saying to this, to this blind person who now can see, do you believe in the Messiah? Who is he, sir, the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him, in fact. He is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with them heard him say this and asked, What are we blind to? Ooh, look at that. That went away. That was good. Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Isn't that great? Jesus uses the healing of this blind man to call out the Pharisees. He says to them basically, Oh, Pharisees, I, I wish you were blind. Because if you were blind, you'd have an excuse. As it is, you have no excuse for not recognizing me, for knowing that I am the Messiah. This interaction, so it's this interaction with the Pharisees that leads us to our text for today. 
And Jesus says this in John chapter 10. He's speaking right on the, the cusp of this calling the Pharisees blind. He says, Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for them, for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Now listen to what happens after Jesus says all this. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can, demon, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, I want you to pause for a second. We're going to read a little bit more in this passage, but I want you to pause for a second because this is an obvious break in, in, the, in the message. The, the next part is still on topic, and it's still right away. Jesus goes right into it, but there's a little bit of a break here. So we need to take a breath for a moment and see what we have learned so far. So Jesus starts talking about a shepherd. It's a parable. He's not saying, at the very beginning of this passage, he doesn't start off by saying, I am the shepherd. He just talks about a shepherd and the shepherd's sheep. It's a, it's a story that the shepherd speaks and the sheep listen. His sheep hear his voice. They follow him. They won't follow a, a stranger. They only listen to the shepherd. And so far in these first five verses, we've just learned what it's like to be a shepherd and a sheep. Nothing else. It's a parable. And Jesus, of course, is speaking of himself, but, but you'd have to be listening to know that Jesus is speaking of himself. Now, likely the Pharisees should have been listening so that they could know that this is the shepherd. Those who enter by Jesus, sorry, sorry those who, so, so Jesus goes from this, just this parable, talking about shepherd and sheep, to saying, I'm the gate. I'm the gate. Those who enter by me are saved. We know Jesus is the only way to heaven. We know that he's the only way to know the Father. And here Jesus is saying, I am the gate for the sheep. Now he also says something interesting here. He, he begins to talk about those who enter the sheep pen, not through the gate. 
And he says, those ones that enter the sheep pen to come mess with the sheep, they're not properly coming to the sheep. They're not going to the sheep like loving ones. They are there to steal, kill, and destroy. They're robbers and thieves. They have come to do harm to the sheep. But Jesus has come so that the sheep won't be harmed any longer, but they would be saved so that they would have life and life to the full. And now Jesus takes it to another level. This is where Jesus begins this passage after he said, you know, here's what a shepherd and sheep look like. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And then he kind of drops the microphone. Boom, mic drop. Now, we may not understand what he just did there. In fact, we live, I, I love what, what Esther said to us earlier, you know, it's hard for us to understand kings even though now we do have a king. We still don't understand kings and monarchy. We also don't understand the Jewish way of thinking. And so the Jewish, Jewish people that were listening, they, they would have heard something important here. We're not Israelites, we're not waiting for the Messiah, so we miss this. But let me explain. When Jesus came to the earth, He fulfilled prophecy after prophecy after prophecy from the Old Testament. Things that were spoken about the coming of the Messiah that were spoken about from the Old Testament. I told you earlier, the Son of Man. That term came from Daniel, and it was also used a little bit in Ezekiel. Okay, And those speak about the coming of the Messiah. The purpose of the Old Testament is to shine like a mega spotlight on the coming of the Messiah. Everyone who read the Old Testament, who had not yet seen the New Testament, was supposed to be looking ahead for the coming of the Savior, the the anointed one, the, the, the one that would become the king of Israel, the Messiah. They were supposed to be looking for the Messiah. And that was the Old Testament's job, to draw the people's focus on the Messiah. And most Jewish people had a really good understanding of the Old Testament, way better understanding probably than we did. Even the most illiterate among them would have been bathed in the law and the prophets. They would have known what they were looking for because everybody would have been talking about the coming of the Messiah. For, For years they would have been talking about the coming of the Messiah and they would have known what God was saying about his anointed one who was about to come. And as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, boom, mic drop, these good Jewish people, especially the good religious scholars, they would have immediately been thinking, I've heard this before. In fact, they would have known, I know who the good shepherd is. I know who the good shepherd is. They would have thought about this immediately because in the Old Testament, God often calls himself the shepherd of his sheep Israel, often. God calls himself the shepherd of his sheep Israel. And everyone who was ever anointed as a leader over Israel were known as shepherds of God's flock, shepherds of God's sheep. You know, of course, King David, one of the most uh, 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 famous of the kings, we know he was actually a shepherd before he became king. But this whole idea of the shepherd king was a huge thought. In the, in the idea of the Israelite people, they would have it would, ingrained in their head, whenever anybody claimed to be a shepherd, they would have been thinking godly and messianic thoughts. And then when Jesus talks about the thief, this is another clue for us. When Jesus talks about those who are thieves and robbers who come in to steal, kill, and destroy, the people who would have been listening would have gone, okay, where have we heard before a story about shepherds and about those who take advantage of the sheep, who steal and plunder and and destroy? And they would have gone, I got it. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34. This is a passage of Scripture that, that, that speaks about exactly what Jesus is saying here. So what do we find in Ezekiel chapter 34. 
Well, Ezekiel was a prophet who came around about 600 years before Jesus came around. So he's at about 600 BC before Christ, around that time, and he was prophesying to the nation of Israel while they were in captivity in Babylon. So in Ezekiel 34, God commands Ezekiel to prophesy against the leaders of Israel, and he calls them the shepherds of Israel. And Ezekiel prophesies against the leaders of Israel, the shepherds, who have led the sheep astray. God accuses them of plundering, stealing, robbing, and taking advantage of the sheep. They have not done their job. And here's what God says to those shepherds of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 4, God says, You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hill. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. Now, the prophecy continues because God is saying the scathing report against the shepherds of Israel, you guys have done a terrible job. You, you've, you've robbed and plundered and, and, and you've not treated them well. So then God takes it upon himself and he says in, in Ezekiel 34, 11, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them. So will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost. This is so good. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. Now, I don't know about you. When I was reading this in my office this week, I was getting goosebumps. I was, I was beginning to get emotional over this as I read this passage. Because as I read this passage, and, ho and hopefully for you too, you should start be, to think there should be some other memories coming to mind as you think about, wait a second, I think I've heard language like this before. I think I remember something about Jesus' mission. What did Jesus say was his mission? To heal the sick and bind up the injured. Do you remember Jesus' focus when he kept talking about going and finding the scattered sheep? About leaving the 99 who were safe and finding the one out there that had been scattered and maligned and left alone to bring them back to the flock. Do you remember Jesus and his compassionate response to the people in Matthew chapter 9? Do you remember this? Jesus says this, and it, it, this is what happens in Matthew 9. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Isn't that amazing? We, we read this in the New Testament and we don't realize this was all written about hundreds of years before Jesus came. There was a prophet, Ezekiel, and God said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to search for the lost sheep. I'm going to bring them together. I'm going to bind up their injuries. I'm going to take care of them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. And here Jesus is saying this all the way through. This is what I'm doing. I'm doing God's work. This is what I'm doing. And Jesus says in John 10, I'm the good shepherd. 
everybody else that's come, all these other leaders, everybody else who's harassed you and harmed you, they're thieves and robbers. I'm the good shepherd. There can be no doubt Jesus is making his stand against the plundering, thieving, robbing so-called shepherds of Israel. These Pharisees who have put a yoke onto the shepherds that was too heavy to bear, who have maligned them and hurt them and, and just done nothing good for the sheep. And these shepherds, these Pharisees, Jesus, if you were, standing, if you were a Pharisee standing there and we're hearing this, that, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I know that today we talk about that being Satan, but in Jesus' moment there, he says, you Pharisees, you've just come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give these sheep life and life abundant. And it doesn't stop there. This is where it continues in John chapter 10. In John 10, 22, this is how the passage continues. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. Now again, stop for a moment. We're not Israelites. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what the festival of dedication is. But the word dedication is, this, is the word Hanukkah. Have you heard of the festival of Hanukkah? This is what they're celebrating. They're celebrating the festival of Hanukkah. So the fe- the, then came the festival of dedication or the festival of Hanukkah at Jerusalem. Hanukkah is the celebration that the Jewish people celebrate around Christmas time. It's still celebrated today. Hanukkah celebrates the time at around 167 B.C. The Israelite Judas Maccabees led a revolt against the tyrant in charge of Jerusalem to kick the occupying forces out of the city and rededicate the temple to God. It was an amazing move. It was an amazing move. The occupying forces of Jerusalem were pushed back And the whole city and the surrounding area became a city again for God. A place again to worship God and God alone. And even though Judas did not come from David's kingly line, because of what he did, he became king over Israel. Judas Maccabees became king over Israel. And his family became kingly. It was a kingly line that his sons and his sons and his sons, they all ruled over Israel as king for a hundred years For a hundred years, the nation of Israel experienced this golden age, this amazing time where they could be their own nation again, where they could worship God and give offerings to God and be their own people. Then after a hundred years, Rome came in and retook the city and and put Herod in charge. And interestingly enough, Herod, Herod married one of, as one of his wives, married one of the Maccabean daughters to kind of continue, hopefully continue this line so the people would accept him. And right here in John, they are celebrating this. This is what they're celebrating, this hundred-year golden age of Israel, Hanukkah. And remembering that this dynasty and the great liberator, king, the liberator and king, Judas Maccabees. It's a fresh memory. This dynasty lasted until about a hundred years before Jesus came. It's fresh. People are like, my great-granddad, my great-granddad knew this golden age. They would have known this. It was fresh in their memories, and they're celebrating this. And all the people are pumped up. And they're celebrating, remembering this 100-year reign because they want it to happen again. And they're looking. Can we find another liberator? Maybe the Messiah, who God said would liberate Israel. Is there another liberator who could come and be our king? So look back at the text again. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. Hanukkah. It was winter. 
And Jesus was in the temple courts, walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Are you going to be our liberator king? Are you going to do what Judas Maccabees did? Are you going to again push out the Romans and give us a golden age? Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. See, Jesus has been talking about his messianic identity all along, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe. What has he been doing? Opening the eyes of the blind, binding up the injured. He's been gathering back the lost sheep. This is what he's been doing. He says, these things that I'm doing, they testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Are you hearing what he's saying? Jesus is saying, look, people, you are hoping for another hundred-year golden age. I'm not going to bring you a hundred-year golden age. I am bringing about an eternal kingdom, a kingdom that will have no end, a kingdom where the forces of this world cannot stand against it. And it's not going to be this physical kingdom that you're hoping for, this hundred-year reign that your great-grandpappy used to think about. It's this eternal reign because I am in the Father and the Father is in me and I'm doing his work and we are bringing about something greater than you've ever experienced before. And that is the good news for then, and it's the good news for today. What Jesus is telling us here in this passage goes beyond the temporal, temporary political liberation of a city. Jesus is the good shepherd that, that Ezekiel looked forward to. Can you imagine being in captivity in Babylon and having a prophet speak to you that there's someone coming Who's going, to, who's going to do what God is talking about here? In Ezekiel, God goes on to say that he is going to have an under-shepherd. He's going to have a shepherd that he's going to place on this earth in the line of David. That there's going to be a shepherd that's going to come that's going to rule his people and take care of his sheep. And this is what's happening in John 10. Jesus has set up an eternal kingdom. And we are a part of it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus yet, if you don't know Jesus, if you kind of know his name, if you're watching online and you're like, oh, I know who this Jesus is, I've heard about him, I've, I've, I know there's a Bible that talks about him, and I, uh, maybe you've spent your whole life kind of sitting around watching Jesus. If you've not responded to his call upon you to give your life to him and, and for him to live within you, that is what you should do today. Just stop for a moment right where you're at. Stop for a moment and just listen to his voice calling you. If you've not responded to the voice of Jesus, just stop for a moment and listen. Jesus is calling. It's the voice of the shepherd who calls you by name and says, come to me and follow me. You may have been mistreated. You may have been battered and bruised, lost. Jesus has come to find you, and he's here. So I encourage you, if you've never come to Jesus before, to give your life to Jesus. Say, here I am, Jesus. Here I am. Thank you for coming to find me. Here I am. 
I give you my life. Would you come and live in me? Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Would you become a follower of Jesus today? Thank you, Jesus, for being our good shepherd and king. Now, in this passage, Jesus is talking about his eternal kingdom. It's a kingdom that has no end. It's greater than a hundred-year golden reign of Israel. It's greater than a thousand-year reign. It's greater than than 10,000. It's eternal, the eternal kingdom of God. But he's also speaking against those who would seek to, to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember, we, we, we love to take this passage, like I said earlier, we love to take this passage that the enemy, and we usually talk about Satan, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and life abundant. But in Jesus' illustration here in John 10, Jesus is speaking directly to those leaders of Israel who have stolen, killed, and destroyed. In Ezekiel 34, God is prophesying against those who took advantage of the flock and he actually calls them fat sheep. He says, I'm going I'm to come and, and I'm, I'm going to bring an account against the fat sheep who have been taking advantage of the lean sheep. And here's what God says. As for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you, have sh- because you shove with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away I will save my flock, and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. God is specifically calling out those who would take advantage of his flock. This was a severe warning for the leaders of Israel in Ezekiel's time, and it's a warning to the religious elite in particular in Jesus' time, those who would stand up and say that they were Pharisees or religious leaders. Now, I wonder what this says to us today. Who would this be a warning against today? Now, before we quickly point at somebody else, let's take a moment and think. Is there something in my life, is there a place in my life where I've been taking advantage of the weak, where I've not been doing what God has called me to do, to help the poor, to to seek out the needy, to look for the lost? Jesus gave us a parable which seems quite similar to this Ezekiel passage when he spoke about the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. The sheep being those who helped out the less fortunate and the goats being those who did not. And when it really comes down to it, the conclusion Jesus drives toward is this. To the sheep who did help those who were less fortunate, Jesus says in Matthew 25, 40, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. To the goats who did not help the less fortunate, Jesus just says, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. The warning of Jesus in all these passages, I think, is for us today. Are we thieves taking advantage of those who are less fortunate? Will Jesus need to come and rescue his sheep from our hands? How terrible would that be? There is always a call from Jesus to hear his voice, to treat the less fortunate as we would treat Jesus. How do we do that? Let's not miss this lesson from the stories in Ezekiel 34 and Matthew 25 and John 10. Jesus is here to rescue us, of course. How beautiful is that? We need rescuing. We need rescuing. 
but we are also accountable for how we've treated the less fortunate. How terrible it would be if Jesus had to rescue the less fortunate from us. So what are we doing to stand up for the weak? To bring back the lost? To bind up the injured? To feed the hungry? To look out for the poor? What are we doing to do that? So on one hand, this passage in John 10 is good news passage that Jesus is the good shepherd who has set up his eternal kingdom for us to reside in with him. What a beautiful story that is. And on the other hand, this passage is a warning against treating his sheep carelessly. So what are you going to take home with you today? Jesus is your good shepherd. He loves you and he has rescued you. And if you listen to his voice, you too will be with him in his eternal kingdom. And be aware of how you are caring for his sheep. Perhaps an adjustment is needed for all of us to be more like Jesus in caring for and loving the less fortunate. So Jesus, we are just so grateful for what you've done for us. You are the good shepherd who has rescued us. Lord, help us now to be able to be, to love others, just what we just saying, to love others the way you've loved us. To be have eyes that are open to the need that is around us. To be able to see what you see, for our heart to break for what your heart breaks for. That to love others the way you have loved us. I just bless you, church, now. For, for, with a fresh filling of Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ who gives you the power and the equipping to be able to do what Jesus did. To love others the way that Jesus has loved you, to love like Jesus. His mission becomes our mission. To go out and seek and save the lost, to, to, to speak to them about Jesus, to be, go out and open the eyes of the blind and, and, and bind up the brokenhearted. So I bless you, church, to walk in the empowerment and equipping of the Holy Spirit, to be able to lead people to the kingdom of God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. I bless you in your day and in your week that you continue to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and walk in his ways. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Be a few of us up here at the front to pray with you. If you'd like some prayer this morning, certainly come forward and do that. I see a couple of faces in the, in the crowd that we haven't seen for a little while, so make sure you connect with people. You say hi to people, give them a big hug. Tell them you missed them. All right, so blessings on you and blessings on your week. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you'd like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.